You know me, man. I like to ride my bike, part of the Thick Boy Bike Club. And I like to ride my bike, and I listen to a lot of podcasts. I listen to a little bit of music, and I'll post pictures of me riding my bike, and people are like, God, you listen to you listen to podcasts or music, and you got wires on your headphones? What are you doing, dude? Was it 2004? Yeah, because the earbuds, the wireless ones, they don't fit this ear. My ear looks like a tortellini. My ear's all jacked up. And then I got sent a pair of Raycon wireless earbuds, and my God. Not only do I hear everything, but they don't fall out because they have the optimized gel tips. It's the perfect in-ear fit. You don't have to worry about what happened. tiny ears, big ears, cauliflowers. They got you covered, man. Raycon's Everyday Earbuds look, feel, and sound better than ever. It's no wonder Raycon's Everyday Earbuds have over 50,000 five-star reviews. I can't get enough of them. They got noise isolation. They got the earbud tap function, awareness mode. I'm on my bike. I'm on my own world, and they don't fall on my ears, Raycon fantastic go to buyraycon.com slash shop s-c-h-a-u-b today get 15 percent off raycon all right that's buy raycon buy r-a-y-c-o-n.com slash shop to score 15 percent off buy raycon.com slash shop we have entered the era of john lineker taking out everybody one by one now the challenges will come, but you better believe that man's going to be ready for them. Oh, body kick! Fabrician Drash is a problem in the Bantamweight division. I am the uncrowned king, and everybody knows it. John Lineker touches you, he hurts you. What's up, fam? Monday morning, October 17th. It is a glorious morning. Shout to Jesus Christ. What is happening? Um, yep, I'm dressed like Mr. Rogers today, like a hype beast Mr. Rogers. Won't you be my neighbor? Did Mr. Rogers drink on the show? He sure did. It was just off air. He was hammered 90% of the time. You think he enjoyed his life chatting about snotty nose kids and sit, have him sit on his lap and shit in that beat down basement you know he was a sniper in the military like one of the most decorated snipers what dude was a savage <clears throat> yeah dude you didn't know that either huh mark murder yeah beast rogers the host of international acclaimed tv show for children mr roger neighborhood served as a navy seal marine War. scout sniper during the vietnam war ever heard of it with a large number of confirmed kills you have to state as false. Mr. Rogers never certain. Maybe that's like an urban legend then. Nah, dude. Uh-uh. That's real. <laughs> oh, you haven't seen the um, uh, Tom uh, Tom Hanks plays Mr. Rogers? You mm. haven't seen it? Mm-mm. Yeah, it's rated out. Rated there he is. Yeah, he's just blowing people's heads off in Vietnam. <laughs> that's the, it's the extended version. You'll find it on the dark web. It's called the Dark, <coughs> the dark Rogers. Mm-hmm. Dark Rogers? Yeah. 
Let's see. The, we'll get started with the draft this one. Uh, Mr. Rogers was not a Navy SEAL or Scout Marine sniper. This is a great urban legend, 21st century. Um, the rumors, what well, were the rumors that Mr. Rogers, the host of an internationally acclaimed TV show, Mr. Rogers' Neighborhood, served as a Navy SEAL Marine Scout sniper during Vietnam era with a large number of confirmed kills. We have to state it's false. Mr. Rogers never served in the military. After another rumor, uh, Mr. Rogers always wore, wore long sleeve clothes to conceal tattoos of all his kills. <laughs> Yeah, dude, he had like a skull. He had like you know the hardcore, dude. This this thing's full of shit. <laughs> this is NavySeals.com. Uh, the fact this is NavySeals.com. <laughs> yeah. Oh well, yeah. Well, maybe someone hacked their page. Uh, yeah, firstly, Miss Rogers was born in 1928. This at the time the U.S. involvement in Vietnam conflict conflict was too old to enlist in the U.S. US Navy. Um. Yeah, but v oh yeah, because if he was born in 28, Vietnam was what 72, and then what 75. Yeah, he's gonna be too old. Conclusion: From the above the obvious reasons mentioned above, dumbass, <laughs> Mr. Rogers could have never served in the military. He was purposely choosing to wear long sleeve clothes because he had uh, KKK tattoos. Wow, interesting. <laughs> no, it doesn't say that. Um, keep his clothes. Now he's trying to keep his clothes. His just to be formal. Yeah. Surprisingly, nobody called him Fred, and he wanted to keep it that way. Interesting. His name was Frederick Rogers. Fred Rogers. Hmm. Wow. The more you know, dude. We didn't have internet when I was a kid. <laughs> you know, we just didn't have internet. It's like the same urban legend. Uh, somebody in this room did acid this weekend. And the first thing I said was, mm. oh, my God, were you worried you're going to peel your skin off like an orange? And comes out, that was an urban uh, legend created by the D.A.R.E. program. Shout out to crime, uh, McGruff, the crime dog. I think he started that. Um, where if you, there's this urban legend of a guy taking acid and he thought that he was a big juicy orange and peeled his skin off and died. As you get older, you think about just the logistics of that and you're like, seems not realistic, but I've never done acid. So I'm going to stay away from it. So that's also an urban legend, but none of that matters. None of that matters. Cause UFC 280 is here kids. And uh, your boy's been so busy. Uh, you know, I look at the cards, you know, maybe the week before or whatever. I'll, you know, I do my homework for the show and stuff like that. And you've had some, you know, fight nights or whatever. And I didn't realize that UFC 280 is the best card of the <laughs> year. Quietly. I mean, that that December 10th card, if John, you know, fights Stipe there and, and they added Yuri is, is up for debate. And there's been some good cards this year, but... On paper, on paper, from prelims, the main card, the UFC gave us a little treat. Christmas came early, kids. Christmas, forget your Halloween candy. This is your, this is your Halloween candy, and it's better than candy corn, kids. UFC 280 is thick. I thought I was going to say stacked. Switched it. It's thick, dude. This card is thick. It's tasty. It's so tasty. For the first time ever, if the boys can pull it off, this is what it's like to work for me. I um, started doing my homework on UFC 280 yesterday. I'm looking into everything. I'm like, oh, my God. I am. Why am I rock hard uh, doing my homework on this card? I, your boy is rocked up the entire time because the, the card is silly, dude. The card is stupid, as the kids say. So I'm looking over it, and I'm like, man. I wish we could do a Calabas fight campaign for this. Oh, I'm on the road in Salt Lake City. And usually that's a bummer because, again, none of it's a bummer. Life is great, but best job in the world. But also, when you're on the road, my shows 
actually line up when the UFC main event starts or main card starts. So if I'm on the run, I got a bunch of tours, uh, tour dates coming up. So I'm going to miss a few fights. But um, usually I'm on the road when some of these big pay-per-views happen. And, you know, it's a nightmare to pull off a fight campaign. If I'm not here, it's impossible to do. So I got the old brain working. And I thought, wait a second. What time is this main card start, the pay-per-view start? 11 a.m. Pacific time, which is 12 Salt, Salt Lake City time. Well, that's way before I have to go on stage. I bet we could do, for the first time ever, a Salt Lake City fight companion. I just need to get a guest on there. Because my the guys I bring on the road, the comics, you know, they don't know anything about fighting, nor are they interested in it. So that's not going to work. And I thought, who else could I get? And then I remember a gentleman by the name of Franklin Mayer. Franklin. Franklin <laughs> and his buddy Harrison, uh, who going to make a big announcement about the fight they have coming up. But Franklin Mayer Jr. and Harrison said, um, hey, we want to see you do stand-up, so we're going to fly from, uh, Frank's going to fly from Vegas to come to your show on Saturday. And then I remembered, oh, yeah, what if Franklin got there a little early? I fly the boys out. I'll find a studio out there because the Buttery Bros are out there. And what we set up an old Salt Lake City fight companion for UFC 280. That would be fun. So the team has to figure that out. And it's Monday, <laughs> and I told them at 8 a.m. this morning. But Franklin's in. I'm in. All you guys do is get the cameras. All you do is get the streaming, good Wi-Fi, studio. But Buttery Bros are going to help me out. Shout out to Buttery Bros. They're in Salt Lake City. So get your mind right, kids. At uh, on Saturday at noon mountain time, which would be 11 a.m. Pacific time, there will be a live Salt Lake City fight companion with Frank Mayer and myself, maybe some other guests, but all you got to know is it's my thick ass and Frank Mayer, not skinny, my enemies. So it's two thick boys. You got Frank Mayer and myself doing a UFC 280 Salt Lake City fight companion Maybe from my hotel, maybe from my hotel room, maybe from a dope ass studio out there. The Buddy Bros are setting up. I don't know. Chin's gonna be there. Casey's gonna be there setting it up. Mark Harley's gonna be there. The whole squad's gonna be there. We're all. It's it's road trip. Road trip. It's road trip time. Salt Lake City's not far. It's UFC 280. If this card wasn't so goddamn stacked, I would never bend over backwards like this. Now I say bend over, I mean text you guys to get it done. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> but then I, I got to book the guest. Still, though, it's a lot of work for everybody. Ruben's making the graphic right now. Get your mind right. Thick Boy, YouTube only, live. We're going live at 11 a.m. Pacific time for UFC 280, baby. And let's just get right into it. Shout out to San Jose. I was uh, there this past weekend. Josh Thompson came out. Had a great uh, lunch meeting with my boy, Rich Chow. There's a, there's a gr grand old time there. And uh, I love San Jose. It's actually one of my favorite cities. The new Green Room Diaries will be dropping. We should maybe get out today or tomorrow. Um, then we get another one on Thursday. I go pretty hard. Your boy, Garcetti, knew some. Just a heads up. Um, shout out to San Jose, man. One of my favorite freaking clubs. But then literally my favorite club. First club to ever give me like a full on-the-road headlining weekend. I'm there this Thursday, Friday, Saturday. Wise guys, Salt Lake City. Shout out to Keith. Some of my favorite venues of all freaking time. Salt Lake City's always been great to me. 
Um, come on out, Salt Lake. I can't wait, man. I'm so crunk, and I'm I'm so excited to do these uh, the fight companion on the road. I, I, I'm not sure how many big pay per views are gonna be like this at a, a, a noon start time, but if they are, that makes it better for me. But the fights have to be in like Dubai or some shit to pull that off. But let's just get into uh, the UFC 280, man. And where do you start? First of all, for Muhammad and Sean Brady not to be on the main card hurts my feelings. Has to hurt both their feelings. Being the main event on the prelims, your boy's been there. I've been there. That means, um, you know, those tend to get more views than the pay-per-view because people have to pay for it. And uh, they're trying to introduce new blood into the uh, into the general audience. And Muhammad, who's been around for a hot second, he's been on Food Truck, great guest on Food Truck. He's a savage from Chicago. Uh, he's fighting the Philadelphia badass in Sean Brady. And Sean Brady, if uh, the hardcores are super familiar with him, but if you're just a casual, tune into this as you're driving to work and you're like, ah, I'm not sure if I, I'm going to tune in. I'm telling you, you're going to want to tune in. Sean Brady at Welterweight, and Welterweight is pretty, pretty tasty. Sean Brady, I'm telling you guys, is the guy, is the next guy. His back looks like he has a big barrel of just liver all over, just liver, um, Jeffrey Dahmer style, just liver, liver, liver on it, just, just all sorts of grooves. It's like the Grand Canyon back there. He's tatted. He has a cheat on the back of his neck. That's what you're dealing with, dude. And he's Philadelphia's finest. And there's something going on in Philadelphia. It just ain't the cheesesteaks because the Philadelphia Eagles are undefeated, which nobody saw coming, even though they signed A.J. Brown, all that stuff. Still, nobody thought Jalen Hurst would be the leading candidate for MVP. So there's something going on, not only in their cheesesteaks, but also in their water because Sean Brady's undefeated at welterweight. He's getting his first big, big test with uh, Muhammad. And I'm telling you, get on the Sean Brady train now. I love Muhammad. Absolutely love Muhammad. One of my favorite guests. Such a good dude. Has a future in commentating, analyst work. His podcast is super unique, and uh, he's crushing it. Such a good, amazing fighter, too. Amazing fighter. Sean Brady's a tough matchup for him. I'm all up on Sean Brady's tatted nuts. I don't know if they're tatted, but <laughs> your boy is all up on his tatted nuts. He is a fucking savage kid. Oops. And you might as well get on the get on the Sean Brady train now. Already the Eagles are hot, so you might as well get on, you know, the Sean Brady train because Eagles are popping, Sean Brady's popping. He's a handsome bastard too. Yeah. He couldn't look any more f like a Philadelphian. And his tats are super clean. Oh, they're good. Yeah. It's such a good fight, man. Yeah, this dude's jujitsu is fucking next level. His grappling. So, it, it, you know, here's the thing about uh, Muhammad too. Khabib's in his corner. Like he's, and he came on a uh, food truck. I think he said on food truck, it was at off air. I forget. We've done so many of them, but he came on food truck. He was telling me that he's trained with Khabib and how intense it is and how it, scary is it to train with Khabib. Cause when you train with Khabib and you're with his team, it's so serious. He was like, I was like, oh, Jesus Christ. But uh, Khabib is cornering um, Muhammad in Abu Dhabi. Something to be said about that. So I'm sure he's been working with him because Brady's. Bread and butter's going to be choking people out. So we're going to see if Muhammad can avoid the takedown. Uh, Muhammad's, you know, just a guy. He's a, a bit of a sleeper. He just, he, you look at his strength schedule, you look at his resume, he's a monster, dude. There's a reason he's ranked so high. Um, but Sean Brady is my dark horse to be a champion in the next 
I'll say two years. Cause wow, probably under that. Cause he beats Muhammad. Muhammad's ranked what, Jen? Cause it's Sean Bray's listen, he's on a feed. He, he's been deserving a big fight for a while. And you know, it's not the hanging five. Head about. Muhammad's five. Mm-hmm. Sean Brady's eight. Yep. Sean Brady beat Wonderboy. He beat Neil. Muhammad. Yep, 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 yep. So it's off to the races. So when I say two years, you're out of your mind, Brendan. Next year, he's, <clears throat> man, it's uh, dude. He beats Muhammad. They'll probably jump him to five. You're looking at Gilbert Burns, Hamzat, Colby, Kamaro, Leon Edwards. Um, Sean Brady matches up very well against Hamzat. Uh, good fight against Colby. Colby's gas tank. We haven't seen Sean Brady get pushed like that for five rounds. Colonel Usman's an interesting He beat Leon Edwards. Oof, kid's going to be a problem. He's going to be in that top five for quite some time, so get familiar with him. That's just the prelims, kids. That's just the prelims. Philadelphia and Chicago's finest, Muhammad, Sean Brady. And then for the main card, which, again, I'm doing a Salt Lake City fight campaign with Frank Mayer at 11 a.m. Pacific time on Thick Boy YouTube. But just the main, that was the, the prelim main event. So for the main card, you got, I mean, any one of these, it, two of these fights could fall out and the card's still fucking stacked. So you got uh, Darius versus Gamrot, which is a ridiculous fight. Darius is one of those guys at lightweight where he kind of falls under the same umbrella as Leon Edwards, uh, as like a John Fitch, as those guys who probably deserved a title shot about a fight or two ago, but just doesn't check the boxes in regards to the UFC's marketing plans. So by the time a guy like Darius or by the time a guy like Leon Edwards get a title shot, it's well overdue and uh, they have to walk through absolute fucking fire in order to get a title shot. For whatever reason, the, the UFC... It's not that they're denying my title shot, but if, you know, if you look at the way they've treated, like, um, you know, you look at the way they've treated Pierre, uh, Pierre, who's fighting uh, Izzy, you look at his strength of schedule or experience to, in order to get a title shot, you look at, like, a, um, even a, a, a Sean O'Malley, like, hey, he's had some fights, but you look at his level of difficulty to get to Peter Jan, who's the number one, you know, guy in the world, they they have their marketing and they want certain guys to get their title shots, you know. Darius falls under that one. It's kind of the Leon Edwards, the Tony Ferguson, you know, for whatever reason, they just don't check a certain box. So UFC's going to be like, dude, good luck. Like, you know what John Fitch had to go through in order to get a title shot? Now, a lot of these guys, when they do, to, do get a title shot, you better take advantage of it because it's only happening once. Like, you look at the fire a lot of these guys have to walk through to ignore to get a top shot who aren't marketable. UFC's going, all right, you can get your chance. Hopefully you get a bump if you become champ. But if you were to lose, see ya. You're never getting a top shot again. Deuce kind of checks that box. He's uh, His thing is, though, he's exciting. He'll finish people. He'll bite down his mouthpiece, which can be a detriment to his career. But, you know, he'll, he'll, he'll sit there and trade shots. He's won a few performance nights, a few fight of the nights. Savage on the feet, savage on the fucking ground. I know him strictly from jiu-jitsu years and years and years ago. Uh, but he's really, you know, taken off and he's doing the damn thing. Um, you know, Gamron is, um, they're not doing Darius any favors here. G- Gamron's not a guy who you're going to look good against. Gamron's a guy where you might win, but you're going to know you're in a fight. Gamron is a fucking savage. 
you know, and there's a, there's a common theme. I'll get to it when we get to the, the main event, but there's a theme here. You have the new, the new class coming up, man. You have the new class coming up, and Gamrat's one of those guys. He's the new class. He's going to be around for a long time. Um, the, 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 it's, like, it's like Game of Thrones. You know, the older king's dying. Older king being uh, you know, Charles Oliveira, who's been fighting the UFC since I think he was 20 years old. Started off 8-8, eight and eight, then won 11 in a row, which is fucking insane. So you got Charles Oliveira. You guys got like Dustin Poirier, Michael Chandler, Justin Gaethje, Tony Ferguson. You look at the welterweight division. I'm sorry. You, you look at uh, the lightweight division. You know, older cats. If you go down, Jim, for oh, me. Sorry. Yeah. So you look at Charles Oliveira. He's been doing it for a hot second. Dustin Poirier, hot second. Justin Gaethje, hot second. Uh, Chandler, hot second. Not all in the UFC, but, you know, Bellator been fight for a hot second. Darius, long in the tooth. Um, Dos, Dos Anjos, the longest tooth. Um, and then you look at the, the, the other cats coming up, man, and th there's this, there's this going to be changing of guard. And, you know, a lot of their names are tough to pronounce. And it's, it's going to be, um, I just don't see the belt being defended a ton of times. You're going to have the same five characters, these young savages, the new age coming up, but I don't see the belt being, you know, just kind of like a John Jones style or an Izzy style or Kamar Usman style where they're holding it for a long, long time. The talent's so good. Um, but go back to the card for me, Chin. Yeah. I'll get to the main, because it's tough because the guy who has the style to hold it for a long time is Makachev, which we'll get to that. Uh, so you have Darius Gamrot, take all my money. If just this fight was on the card, I'd pay for a pay-per-view. The hardcores would, the casuals won't. You guys, you'll figure it out. Gamrot, you're going to be all over. Uh, dear Shigel on the mic, you know, thank uh, Jesus Christ for giving the power to knock a guy unconscious, right? And I enjoy that. I don't frown upon that. Uh, so then you got another fight in Peter Yan, Sugar Sean O'Malley. And this, this is where it gets interesting because, you know, I'm sure people out there will say, does Sugar Sean deserve this? That's besides, it doesn't matter. It's happening. So just accept it. It's happening. Uh, deserving is all, you know, it's all your perspective. You know, the, the amount of eyeballs Sugar Sean brings to the table, uh, the skill set that he provides. Has he walked through the same fighter as Peter Yan? Absolutely not. But, um, you know, the, the uh, damn Mark is smashing those keyboards. But um, <laughs> Sugar, she just, <laughs> um, but Sugar Sean is a guy that is, uh, uh, has the capabilities to be your next superstar. Superstar. He's already a superstar. And he hasn't fought in the big, big fights. He's already, um, you know, as far as the younger generation goes, he's their guy. He's those young YouTubers and, you know, the kids who are vaping, getting tattoos and watching Euphoria. Sean O'Malley's their fighter, man. They see him not only as a fighter, they see him as a, a character and a talent outside of fighting. They'll see him taking pictures with Takashi 69 and doing his thing and his dyed hair and he's on Twitch and he's just kind of this new age where – He's making more money outside of the octagon than he is in the octagon, and people love him. He's a personality. But don't let that rainbow smoke confuse you. The dude can fight. The dude can fight. Not only can the guy fight, but the UFC being smart here because they do need stars. Even though it's not a pay-per-view-driven model anymore, they still need superstars to transcend the sport and get people to pay attention. Does Sean O'Malley check all those boxes? Yeah. Now, 
the day and age of um and chins eating a uh, fucking hard boiled egg and um, and covered in kratom. Um, the days of like the the massive stars like a Conor McGregor, a Ronda Rousey, a Brock Lesnar. Um, I don't know if we can get to that level anymore. Where the I don't know. I I, I just don't know because the pay per view model is not the same. So I, I'm not I'm not sure. Uh, but Sean O'Malley could be the the you know the testing pool who might be able to get it done, especially if you were to beat Peter Yan. Um, that would that would get him into the into this elite status, this elite club he's been trying to get into. Uh, I like the idea of him kind of skipping the line. He, you know, he hasn't passed a ton of tests to deserve a fight against Peter Yan. Um, you know, he, he his his last fight where he uh, you know. Poked Pedro Munoz in the eye was an eye poke. I, I don't know. You know, it's it's up for debate, but it's not like Sean blew your ears back. You're like that guy's gonna dominate the bandweight division. You know, maybe he just went on the cards. It doesn't matter. He didn't win the fight. You know, it was a no contest. Um, and then the one kind of test he had against Cheeto. Listen, Pedro and Cheeto could just be stylistic matchups that that don't work for him. So it's tough for him to get into his groove. But when Sugar gets in his groove, man. He's fun to watch. Yeah, there's not a, you know, you look at his strength of schedule. It's tough. This is college football. You know, he's probably not getting into the top four BCS bowl games if we if the season ended right now. He's not outside looking in. He's like UCLA. They're good. They're good. But you ain't run through that SEC conference. You feel me? You're not. You're not playing the Tennessees, the Alabamas, the Ole Miss. You're not doing that, buddy. But UFC has hope that he's going to be the next guy. And, um, you know, does he deserve it? I don't know. That's, a, that's, that's, not my, that's not my pay grade. That's up to the UFC. But um, don't get it twisted. They're not doing Sugar any favors. Peter Yan, probably the best man of weight in the world, you know, probably is from top to bottom, strength of schedule, uh, skill set as far as footwork, Boxing, striking, wrestling. Probably, I know, I know Aljamain beat him. Overall, though, Peter Yan, you know, you beat Peter Yan, Sugar Sean belongs in that club. He's going to get in that, uh, you know, exclusive club he's always uh, desired to be in. You, you, you got to walk through that fucking Russian. Is, is Peter Yan Russian, Chen? I think so, yeah. Is he just straight Russian? <clears throat> I think so, right? From Russia, but Dudinka? Yeah, we don't need Cry. details, dude. That's Russia, baby. Yeah. It says Russia. Mm -hmm. I appreciate the effort, though, Chen. No problem. Um, you know, to, in order for Sugar Sean, in order to get a uh, title shot, and trust me, if he wins this fight, guaranteed 100%, cash your check now, he's fighting for a title. So, um, but you're, you're, you're walking through the tough span away in the world to get to that title shot. This... I've been struggling with this all day. It's about picks for the UFC 280. Really, really struggle with it. Um, I have some, you know, close ties with TJ Dillashaw. is a good buddy of mine. Uh, love Sean O'Malley. He's been on the show multiple times. Love Sean O'Malley. So it's like, man, am I just picking these guys because I want them to win, you know? But when I break it down, um, there's a few things that favor Sean O'Malley in this fight. And the UFC knows what they're doing. They're not throwing Sean O'Malley to the fucking wolves here. He can win this fight. He can win this fight. Um, it's tough to pick him to win the fight, but I'm going to do it. I, I think I'm going to go on a limb here and think 
even though he's an underdog, I think Sean O'Malley, the, the lights can't get bright enough for him. They're, you can't give him enough te- attention. He's almost like a, uh, a Conor McGregor in that aspect or a, uh, a Paul brother where you can't get big enough. You're not going to scare them. They, they do better the more lights and cameras that are on them. It's just what he was born to do. So I think we see a version of Sugar Sean that we've never seen before. I think he's been training harder than he's ever trained. I think he realizes he knows what's at stake here. Because Peter Dion loses one, he'll go back, you know, in the in the into the queue, uh, lose a few spots in the rankings, and he's gonna have to build himself up. And you're gonna build yourself up the hard way. It depends how he, you know, if you lose by decision, that's a different story. But if you were to get like mollywop, like KO'd, like destroyed, then you you realize he's probably never gonna be champ, right? So I don't see that happening. I think Sugar knows what's on the line here. And, you know, for his career, you know, he has a, a kid and a girl. And, you know, for his brand, I just feel like Sugar Sean, we're going to see a version. And when you fight a guy like Peter Yan, it brings something out of you that you weren't even aware was inside there. And I think Sugar hasn't been scared at this point. I don't think Pedro Munoz scared him. I don't think Cheeto scared him. These other guys haven't scared him. I think it's the first time in his life where he has to check every box. He has to get his eight hours of sleep. He has to eat right. He has to, you know, quit fucking around. Not that he is. Probably not on Twitch as much. I think he realized what's at stake here. Sugar Sean being younger and so talented, it's it, you know, it's, it's a little bit of a stretch to pick him. But I'm, I there's something I love a guy that does something special. Peter Hans already, you know, one of the best bandweights ever do it. Uh, his legacy cemented. I just there's something about Sugar Sean this fight being three rounds is an advantage for Sugar Sean. Uh, Peter Yan is a slow starter by choice. When Peter Yan comes out, you'll notice in that first in his you know those first rounds. Go back you know last fucking eight fights. That first round, he's not very active. You know he'll he'll accept booze. He don't give a shit. So what he does is he downloads the data. He might throw seven jabs in the first three minutes. You're like, let's get going here, Peter. And then he downloads the data and goes to work and dominates and gets in your grill. Um, Sugar Sean will have a reach advantage here. The three rounds definitely favor Sugar Sean. Um, I'm curious what game plan Peter Jan's going to have because is he going to go, all right, I can't give away a round like I've done before. I can't. I don't have three minutes to download Sugar's movement and all that stuff. I'm just going to go in there, get in his face, close distance. He has a reach. Not let him get fancy, do his footwork, do all his, you know, chucking and jiving. I'm going to get in his face and uh, just take that, you know, kind of. And I think he does incorporate leg kicks, as as we've seen. Sean struggles with that. You know, I know Sean hates when people say, I get it, Sean. But if you're watching tape, you're probably like, well, he's not great at it. There's one chink in the armor there that we've seen with Cheeto, stuff like that. It's just what it is. You know, I love you, Sean, but if I'm Peter Jan, my Russian team, you know, we're like, all right, dude, um, probably going to throw some leg kicks. So I think you're going to see some leg kicks. You're going to see some grappling by Jan in order to get Sugar Sean down. I think you guys are going to be surprised about Sugar Sean's takedown defense. He's aware that that is a hole that people want to expose, and he's actually pretty fucking tough to take down. He's also really tall and has leverage. Um, so this fight is so intriguing to me besides the main event. This is the most intriguing fight on the card, just cause you have a guy in sugar who's young and will, there's so much hope and promise. And you have a guy in Peter Jan, who's an absolute fucking nightmare. And although sugar does have some advantages, three rounds, I think favor sugar. 
His reach, his movement favors him. Um, power definitely goes Peter Yan. Wrestling, overall boxing um, and MMA, probably Peter Yan. But the outlier of Sean is it's going to be tough to emulate him. So Peter's probably going to lose that first round, I think. It, it depends on the game plan. I, I don't know if they're going to come rushing in, which is, you know, Sean has those knees, the jumping knees, the elbows. It, it's, it's a dicey situation, but um, this fight is so intriguing to me. And I am a huge Peter Yan fan, but um, I'm going to take Sugar Sean O'Malley on this. I know he's the dog. I think it would be so fascinating if Sugar Sean won. So fascinating. I don't want to talk about what's next for him. Let's just see if he gets through Peter Yan. Then we can uh, calibrate how he would do against these other guys. But for the UFC, their worst case scenario would be if Peter Yan destroys Sugar Sean because he ruined you know, an up-and-coming giant superstar. And then if Aljamain Sterling destroys TJ Dillashaw, then you're going to get a, what a what are we in our trilogy fight of Peter Yan Aljamain? You know? Be tough sell. Be tough sell. I'll tell you what sells. Sugar Sean. If, here, here's how powerful Sugar Sean is. You look at Charles Oliveira, first bout Hall of Famer. Islam Makhchev, trust me, he's going to be a Hall of Famer. Aljamain Sterling, Hall of Famer. TJ Dillashaw, Hall of Famer. Peter Yan, Hall of Famer. Darius Gamrot, they're up there. You know, they're up there. If Sugar Sean pulls off a win against Peter Yan, he overshadows all of this. That's how big of a name he is. He's the talk of UFC 280. If you were to win, every headline you see, because nobody, to be honest, and it is what it is, this isn't my doing, nobody attracts more eyeballs on this entire card than Sugar Sean O'Malley. If he were to beat the number one bantamweight in the world, every headline you see, I don't care what the fuck happens in any other fight on this card, Everything is Sugar Sean O'Malley. His talk goes. His twitch. His hair. Through the roof. You have a superstar in your hands. UFC's praying to God that happens. Because Peter Yon's set. Peter Yon could lose this fight. And, you know, he's still going to be top three. He's a fucking savage. He's so fucking good at fighting. But he, you know, he's, he's, reached, his, he's reached his peak. Yes, as far as fame wise, now I don't think he's like out to pass or anything like that. He's the worst matchup for anybody possible. He can beat anybody on any given night, no matter who the fuck it is. He's a complete savage. But Sugar Sean has the potential to for the UFC to put a fucking rocket on his back, and that rocket is rainbow, and it's going high if he beats Peter Yan. I mean, the merch sales, his Twitch, his podcast, his coach gets more famous. You know, he's, he's doing fucking Molly with Takashi 6 9 in Miami these days, you know, just getting wild, dude. And that's fun. Bidjan wins. It's like, all right, it's not as fun. I want fun. I like chaos. Sugar Sean brings rainbow chaos. So I'm picking Sugar Sean. Let's take a little break from me getting way too crunk for UFC 280. Salt Lake City, I will see you this Thursday, Friday, Saturday at Wise Guys Comedy Club. That's Salt Lake City. Saturday, there will be a Salt Lake City fight campaign with myself and Frank Mayer for UFC 280 live on Thick Boy YouTube. That starts at noon mountain time. Come get you some Salt Lake City. I will be in your city this weekend. Next weekend, well, really next Thursday, Friday, Thursday, rooftop, Calgary, Canada. The first show on Thursday is almost sold out, so we added a second show on Friday. That's October 27th, 28th. I'm coming up to Canada, Calgary, eh? November 
Texas Heavy, San Antonio, November 3rd through the 5th. Houston, November 10th through the 12th. And then I end November in Milwaukee. Go get your tickets at thickboy.com. This episode of The Shop Show is brought to you by my friends at DraftKings because UFC 280 is here and DraftKings is the official sports betting partner of the UFC. And right now, customers can bet just $5 on UFC 280 and get $200 in free bets if your fighter wins. If you haven't tried DraftKings Sportsbook yet, right now is the time. Watch the fight campaign with myself and Frank Mayer. Watch it live with us on Thick Boy YouTube. At noon Mountain Time, 11 a.m. Pacific Time. Watch it. Make some bank betting with DraftKings. All right. You want more action? Cool. You can also double your winnings on a same game parlay. Combine multiple bets like which fighter will win, how long will the fight last, and so much more. Charles Oliveira, Makhchev. If you want to make some bank, bet on the dog. Charles Oliveira, bet on him and parlay it. Him get it done uh, and not go into the scorecards. Him get it done under five rounds. That's my bet of the freaking. Saturday fight card. Everyone who wants to boost their winnings, place a UFC 280 same game parlay today. Download DraftKings Sportsbook app right now. Use promo code SHOBSHOW. That's S-C-H-A-U-B show. Throw down $5 on UFC 280 and get $200 in free bets. If your fighter wins, that's code SHOBSHOW this Saturday at DraftKings Sportsbook, the official sports betting partner of the UFC. Minimum age eligibility restrictions apply. See show notes for details. DraftKings. You know me, man, I like to ride my bike, part of the Thick Boy Bike Club. I like to ride my bike, and I listen to a lot of podcasts. I listen to a little bit of music, and I'll post pictures of me riding my bike, and people are like, God, you listen to you listen to podcasts or music, and you got wires on your headphones? What are you doing, dude? Was it 2004? Yeah, because the earbuds, the wireless ones, they don't fit this ear. My ear looks like a tortellini. My ear's all jacked up. And then I got sent a pair of Raycon wireless earbuds, and my God. Not only do I hear everything, but they don't fall out because they have the optimized gel tips. It's the perfect in-ear fit. You don't have to worry about what happened. tiny ears, big ears, cauliflower ears. They got you covered, man. Raycon's everyday earbuds look, feel, and sound better than ever. Also, Raycon gives you eight hours of playtime, a 32-hour battery life. Raycons, they're, you're what are, what are these, $3 million? No, dude. You get Raycons, the quality auto at half the price of other premium audio brands. It's no wonder Raycons Everyday Earbuds have over 50,000 five-star reviews. I can't get enough of them. They got noise isolation. They got the earbud tap function, awareness mode. I'm on my bike. I'm on my own world, and they don't fall on my ears. Raycon, fantastic. Go to buyraycon.com slash shop, S-C-H-A-U-B. Today, get 15% off Raycon. All right, that's buy Raycon, buy R-A-Y-C-O-N dot com slash shop to score 15% off buy Raycon.com slash shop. Coming event, you got Aljamain Sterling, TJ Dillashaw. Uh, this is interesting. I would say these are two of the, these are two, how do I want to say this? I would say these are two of the fighters on the UFC roster who are at their level get the most hate. Aljamain, for whatever reason, right, that Peter Yon fight where he can continue fighting and just some of the antics he's done. And then TJ Dillashaw, you know, Obvious. for the EPO and mm-hmm. it took two years off. But my thing is, if you're going to hate on TJ for that, did he not pay the price? In the middle of his prime, he was, you know, he couldn't work for two years. Do we not forgive people? Is there no redemption story? Also, TJ Dillashaw, he owned it, worked his ass off. UFC didn't do him any favors. Two years off from fighting. And I know a lot of fighters that go that ring rust isn't real. Fuck off, dude. Two years. 
not competing in the UFC. And it's not like a fun two years. Two years, depressed. You got wife. You got a fucking kids. You're, you know, you're still training, but you're not fighting. You're not getting paid. There's going to be some depression. There's some low points. Two years off. His first fight after two years off, they give him Cody, or I'm sorry, Corey Sandhagen, the Sandman. Guys ranked top three in the world. After two years, the fight before that wasn't even in his goddamn weight class. So really, it's three years before he fought in his fucking weight class, dude. It's nuts. Insane. UFC goes, cool, dude. Here's Corey Sanhagen. Jesus Christ. Now, some people go, well, he didn't beat him. I, I disagree with you guys. And also, doesn't matter what you think. The judges and the state of Las Vegas Athletic Commission thought he won. And that's all that matters. So he didn't beat Corey. Cool, he did. And now he's fighting for the title. Think uh, To me, you know, at some point, you they're, they're, the thing what makes America special is redemption stories. We all, we're, none of us are flawless. Everybody fucks up in whatever capacity. Some stuff is unforgivable. Murder, touch a kid. There's some stuff we, there, there's some stuff we just can't forgive. PDs, other bad mistakes. A lot of us can relate to some of these bad mistakes fighters or personalities or celebrities have done. Since when do we just write people off for mistakes? Because if you're that person on the top of the mountain going, oh, he, he should never be able to fight. You Hold on. You've never made a mistake? And would you want to be voted off the island forever and not be able to work? That's not how we work. If he learned from his mistake, worked his ass off, came back, nice fighting for a title shot. You're telling me the UFC couldn't use this as a narrative to show a guy that made an awful mistake? PDs is very prevalent in this business. And I know you guys want to make TJ Dillshaw the poster boy of it. Trust me, the guys that he was fighting were also on some shit too. It's just the nature of the business. Your favorite fighter has probably compromised in some way along the lines. I'm not saying they did EPO. A lot of them have. A lot of guys that you're wearing their bullshit Reebok fight kit, all that stuff, a lot of them have dabbled in PDs. The odds are on my side on that. Your favorite NFL quarterback that you think is God's gift to the world has probably dabbled in PDs. Hate to ruin your Monday. <laughs> your favorite basketball player, probably in PDs. Who gives a shit? It's part of the sport. Now, TJ got caught. Boy, did he get caught, right? Paid the price for it. Not only did he get caught, but then he gets fucked up by Henry Cejudo. Paid the price for it. Took two years off from working. His job couldn't work for two. All you listen to this right now, it's not like TJ's Tom Cruise or Will Smith. Like Will Smith fucked up. Jesus Christ. Will Smith fucked up. Will Smith slapped a guy on live TV at the Oscars. Horrible mistake, Will. But guess what? They could vote Will off the island like it's Survivor, and he still has 500 million, probably more, in the bank because he did Bad Boys 9 or the fuck he's on. It's Will Smith, the Fresh Prince of Bel Air. He doesn't give a shit. He's fine. TJ Dillashaw, not fine. Your favorite athlete, probably not fine if it's two years from not making any income. It's not cool. So not only did TJ get caught in the embarrassment and the, you know, kind of the the scarlet letter on his, you know, career, all good. Two years off, man. He served his time. 
He served his time. He came back. UFC didn't do him any favors. They threw him Corey Sanhagen. Nightmare of a matchup. He beats him. You don't think he beat him? All good. Don't give a shit. The commission, the judges, they beat him. It's very black and white. I thought he beat him. So now he's fighting after two years off, after all this ridicule. He's fighting for a fucking bantamweight title of the world. How is that not inspiring to anybody? If you can't take some motivation from that, your glass is half fucking empty. And you're probably leaving YouTube comments and making a profile on Reddit right now. This is an inspiring story. Oh, but he, mm, stop, dude. Everybody makes mistakes. Move on. He's one of the best Bantamweights to ever do it. And he is a complete fucking savage. Nobody wants it more than TJ Dillashaw. Here's the other thing why I should root for TJ Dillashaw. Served his time. Took the black guy, literally. Two years off, no income. Wife, kids, had another baby. Comes back, fights Corey Sanhagen, who's ranked number two or whatever in the world. Beats him, right? He's not young. This is it. TJ will never be here again. Aljamain's still fairly young. Aljamain's going to be fine if he loses this. TJ, this is it. This is your closing call, my man. This is it. He's worked his entire fucking career for this moment, man. It's, it's inspiring to me. That's why you should root for TJ. America's the land of second chances. Your favorite movie. It's about the guy falling on hard times, coming back, getting, you know, Rocky, for God's sakes. Fucking Vince Papali. Heard he was an asshole, but Vince Papali, Invisible, Philadelphia Eagles, they're hot right now. You know, everybody likes a comeback story. TJ is a comeback story, no matter how you look at it. The caveat with that, though, him being this comeback story, he's only fought twice in three years. That's a problem. That's a problem. That worries me. He didn't look fun. He he did enough to beat Corey Sanhagen, but it wasn't, you know, it wasn't like to argue for the people like he didn't beat him. I'll give you, it wasn't easy. And it's up for debate. Sure. It's up for debate. But the point is why I won't even entertain it, because it doesn't matter. The judges, the Nevada Athletic Commission gave it to TJ Dillashaw. That's it. Move on. And Corey Sanhagen is my fucking guy. I love him, man. The only kids who's 16. I love him. I thought TJ won that fight. I thought Corey gave him his back too much. It's a horrible look in the judge's eyes. Point is, though, TJ hasn't been that active. And now he's here. And it's a comeback story. Aljamain's going to be fine. It's a very tough matchup for TJ. I do think TJ gets it done. I hope TJ gets it done. This is the last go around for TJ Dillashaw. At his age, the way he trains, he goes hard, man. Coming off that injury, crazy injury, too. That's the other thing. Yeah. Coming off the injury. Great point, Chin. Thank you. Another reason you should root for the guy. Mm-hmm. We've all been injured. Even if you're not a professional, you've been injured. Maybe you've had a surgery. You guys know how much that sucks to come back from. The guy coming off an injury, dude. Remember, he beat Corey Sanhagen on one leg. One leg, dude. You know, I talk about... Uh, all the time, like a Mamba mentality, stuff like that. Dude, TJ has that. TJ, dude, is, he's, it's rare I say this about fighters, but so I'm Peter Jan being Russian, I'm sure he's down. There's a few fighters who are straight up willing to die in there. Josh Barnett, famous for saying that. I was more well-known by throwing the, t- as soon as you see me in trouble, you throwing that fucking towel. I got shit to do. <laughs> I'm not Russian. I'm not TJ Dillashaw. I got sh- I'm trying to do stand-up comedy. I don't want to die in here. That would be tragic. This is not my calling card. It's TJ's calling card. It's Peter John's calling card. 
Sislamak Chef's calling card, Charles Oliver's calling card. This is what they do. Those guys are willing to die in there. TJ takes it to another level. He's obsessed with it. TJ's a guy, a little story about TJ. We had the same uh, coach, and TJ still uses him. His name's Leister Bowling. I've talked about Leister. If you've listened to the show since it was Big Brown Breakdown, you've heard Leister Bowling's name mentioned a few times. Leister Bowling was, he was a, he's a Colorado high school wrestling legend undefeated uh then he went to uh, i forget the name of the school but he was uh on the same wrestling team with ben henderson ben was younger than him he's on like you know whatever they in high school 300 now whatever the fuck his son's a beast right and uh he comes from a family of wrestlers his dad was wrestlers kids are wrestlers his uncles are wrestlers all they fucking know is wrestling he looks like a fucking uh, a spark plug with two eyes. He looks like a fucking fire hydrant that somebody put white face on and a few warts, and he is filled with <laughs> piss warts. and vinegar. There we are. Yeah. He's filled with piss and vinegar, and he's the toughest son of a bitch you know. If, you, if you're in trouble, you want Leister Bowling in your fucking foxhole. I hate him wearing that hat, and I also... <laughs> Just looking at it. That was the night that I knocked out Chris Tushisher and Shane fought Brock Lesnar. Shane lost. That's why he's so depressed there. I'm pretty crunk because I won 58. Or I'm sorry. I won in minute six. And I'm the elevator going up after the knockout. I'm on the elevator with uh, Dwayne Johnson, The Rock. Wow. And yeah. He's telling me he's a fan and all this shit. Nice. That was pretty cool. I looked down. He had uh, platform heels on. Whatever. Um, so uh, back to Lister Bowling. So he was a coach at, uh, he would help the University of Northern Colorado team out. Shane had a relationship with him because Shane lived in Greeley. So I was allowed to go to the University of Northern Colorado and do the wrestling program. So I was wrestling with like the heavyweights and the light in the middleweight. So that was my introduction to wrestling. So I'm there. That's right before. Yep. There's Shane. Um, so once me and Shane started doing that, then we, uh, you know, we started at high altitude, we started at grudge. Then all the grudge guys start coming up and high altitude guys. So you got Rashad Evans in there and there's a great picture of Rashad Evans son and Lisa Bowen's son who both wrestle and they're like four <laughs> and they're just like dead serious getting after it in front of each other. It's one of my favorite pictures. But um, once people realized who Lister Bowling was and the, his knowledge on wrestling, then GSP started to use Lister Bowling. And then you got fucking the who's who using Lister Bowling. They're flying him out to Greg Jackson's and, you know, he's this guy, and he, he, he's a guy who I always appreciate. He didn't want fame. He didn't want to be the pictures. He just wanted to do the work. He helps Neil Magny out. He's the one that got Justin Gaethje into MMA. Justin Gaethje was an All-American wrestler at University of Northern Colorado, and he wanted to get into MMA. Lister introduced him to Trevor. The rest is history. Justin Gaethje's a multiple-time world champion, one of the biggest names in the UFC. So, yeah, Nate Marquardt's using him. He, he's working with fucking everybody is the point. Um, so... Leister Bowling takes on TJ Dillashaw. They they click because they're both insane. They're both out of their minds. All they give a fuck is about like breaking people. It's literally the, all they want to do is break people. It's insane, insane. Um, so TJ and uh, Leister Bowling have the same mindset that Kobe break you at all costs, win at all costs mentality. They become like peanut butter and jelly. TJ's so drawn to Leister Bowling and the way he works and. Uh, Leister Bowling opens up his own college like wrestling camp for his kids and has a whole kid massive kids camp builds it on his like fucking ranch. TJ Dillashaw getting ready for the Corey Sanhagen fight and this fight. TJ has money, right? TJ won the fight. He has some sponsors. He's a smart businessman now. He has his 
he has like a juice truck that we've used on the show. We had T John. He's come back after this fight and probably do the juice truck, which I'm starving all day by pretending school. But um, TJ's such a fucking sociopath when it comes to fighting. He leaves his wife and kids and he sleeps in the wrestling room. It's not a nice wrestling room. It's okay. It's a wrestling room. We've all been there. There's staff everywhere. He sleeps on a sleeping bag in the bunk beds during camp to get him to get his mindset uncomfortable to get ready for these fights that's what you're dealing with that's a comeback story that guy is willing to do whatever it takes to win this fight i don't know if aljermaine sterling is willing to do that now you can turn tj's lights off a knee you get his back aljermaine's fantastic on the back he's explosive if you don't land something like that i'm telling you tj is willing to go places you're not willing to go the the amount of the amount of I don't want to say hate or animosity I don't know what you would call it the amount of drive that TJ Dillashaw has very few athletes have in all sports Kobe had it Jordan had it they're all assholes TJ's not gonna win any nice guy awards with his friends he is with his family he's the fucking best training partner stuff like it he's gonna be tough man because he has one goal only and that's to be the very very fucking best. And he'll do whatever it takes to be the best. Literally whatever. He's willing to go places. I'd be willing to bet two other guys on the card are willing to go. And their name's Islam and Peter Yan. And they're not American. TJ has their mindset plus 10. He's a savage. This is his time. And here's the thing. This is why I feel so much pressure about this. It's his last time. He's a comeback story. If you don't view TJ Dillshaw as a comeback story, you're a hater. You ain't shit. TJ's earned this. TJ's walked through the fire. TJ's taken all the criticism. He owns all that. He paid his dues. Move on. Even Al Jermaine, oh, he's still using stuff. Come on, dude. You got, you got to do better than that. Now, now Al Jermaine, you're going to talk that shit. Now you got to fight the guy. And good luck. And I like Al Jermaine as a person. Al Jermaine's fantastic. He's been on a food truck. He's fantastic. Al Jermaine is a good human, a fantastic fucking fighter. He's your fucking world champion. Taking TJ Dillashaw. Taking TJ via decision. Now we're just getting to the main event. That's how good this fucking card is. <laughs> That's a long round of TJ. Hopefully I sold some of you on rooting for TJ. I know people want to hate on TJ and Al Jermaine. You're looking at your perspectives completely off. You're just off, man. TJ paid his dues. Move the fuck on. The main event, Charles Oliveira, Islam Akhchev. I've struggled with this for about four weeks on today's show, picking a fight for this. Part of me went... Maybe I'm not going to pick this time. You can't do that, dude. Be like, oh, what are you fucking? Oh, now you're a real journalist? Nope. So I got to pick. But I also don't want to piss anybody off. But also, I have no ties to Charles or Islam at all, so I can pick this one. But I go back and forth. Part of the problem is the person I know that knows Islam Makhchev the most is Josh Thompson. I was just in San Jose. Josh comes to the show. He's waiting in line in the mean green. I'm like, you don't have to wait. Get up here, dude. I got, and he goes, oh, what do you, I, hold on. Like, we got to get this, because there's a line real quick. How does Islam beat Charles? And Josh, to be fair, had a few drinks, but still knows his shit. Remember, he's the captain of AK. He's been with Islam since he first came in. And he goes, how, 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 how's Charles beat him? I go, where do I start, Josh? He's more dangerous in every capacity of mixed martial arts. You tell me where Islam's better. Wrestling, I'll give you that. Outside wrestling, submissions off the back, submissions on the top. In uh, transitions, Charles the 
and it's noted, the best ever do it. Most submission bonuses of all time. Savage. He's great off his back, great on top, transitions. Even when the guys take him down, he's going to get your neck. You have a fucking million reasons to worry about that guy if you're trying to take him down. Check, Charles Oliveira. On the feet, Charles Oliveira. More dangerous, better striking. Strength of schedule. Look what Charles Oliveira's done in the last 18 fucking months, dude. Look at the people he's... What? Excuse me? This dude... Look at this. This dude... In his last, let's just do last one, two, three, four, five. Let's go over his last six. This is where it gets fun for us. This is Charles Oliveira's last six fights. You tell me if any of these names ring a bell. Kevin Lee. And this is 2020 Kevin Lee. Savage. He beat him. Guillotine choke. Submission. Performance of the night. He missed weight. All good performance of the night. Next fight was against Tony Ferguson, December 2020. Then he fought Michael Chandler. Ever heard of him? Michael Chandler, he TKOs him in the second round. Survived an onslaught. First round could have been 10-8. That was a prime Michael Chandler. Chandler made some mistakes in that, but still, Charles Lovero, fucking TKO knocks out Michael Chandler. Then he fights Dustin Poirier. Fought Dustin Poirier. Beat him. Rear naked choke. I don't say it was an easy fight, but he beat him. Then he gave him Justin Gaethje, which I thought was a bad matchup for him. He starts just, uh, Justin Gaethje. Gets his back, chokes him out. So he's choked out. Kevin Lee, Dustin Poirier, black belt, and Justin Gaethje. Out of those last uh, one, two, three, four, five fights, one, two, three, four, five, the, those five, uh, three out of those five are ranked in the top three at the time. He didn't beat them by decision. He's finishing them. That's Charles Oliver, the ultimate finisher. So when you look at strength of schedule, and this is why I go back and forth on it, it's like, all right, Charles Oliveira is more dangerous than every fucking capacity of mixed martial arts. But to argue for Islam Akachev, Islam is a guy who we've been told how good he is. Javier Mendez, who nothing but the utmost respect for in the world, is a you know world-class coach. He says he's the best lightweight ever. Okay, there's some hype there. Khabib tells us he's the next champ. Khabib knows a thing or two about fighting. Khabib's, you know, arguably the greatest lightweight to ever do it. That's his guy. They came up together. They trained together. Okay. But that's also hype there, right? Josh Thompson, dude, never seen this guy lose a round in training. You see what he does to this guy. Tells me all the war stories, which I love. He gets me rock hard. Tells me all this crazy shit about Islam Jeff and how much of a badass he is. Cool. Got it. I haven't seen any of this. You guys tell me. I haven't seen any of it. None of it. None of it. I haven't seen any of it. His best win, Drew Dober's a good win. Drew Dober's dangerous, but good matchup for him. Theo, Theo Moses, Theo Moses, okay. Dan Hooker, <clears throat> tough character, tough guy, bad match for Dan Hooker. Bobby Green, short notice. All right. So his best win is probably over. 
Shit. Dan Hooker? Mm-hmm. That's a good win. You know, so strength of schedule. So if you believe the hype, you think Mark Judge is going to win this fight. Vegas believes the hype. I will argue for Mark Jeff here for you guys if you think about putting money on this fight. The one knock on Charles Oliveira, even though he is, you know, he's the champion. He's the best weight, but we all know he's the champion. Even though he's the champion, the knock on Charles Oliveira is he does get hit. He does take punishment. You look at all those fights that I mentioned, the Gaethje, the Dustin Poirier, the Chandler fight, uh, besides Tony Ferguson, he was in a ton of trouble. But you look at his career, especially early on, it, the Paul Felder was vicious. Um, you know, he takes some some hits, man. He, he's a guy who takes chances and, and, and will get hit. Um, so that's worrisome because, remember, he's been fighting since he was 20 years old. You know, it's Max Holloway fight. You know, the you know, Cub Swanson fight he got knocked out in. Uh, Don Cerrone TKO'd him. So early in his career, I don't care too much about that, but – my point is, is he's not young. Father time is going to come fairly soon. He's on the last leg of his career. It's been a fucking phenomenal career. To win 11 is insane, especially at this level. It's going to come. I don't know if it comes this Saturday afternoon. More doing a uh, Salt Lake Fight Companion, 11 a.m. Uh, Mountain Time. I don't know if it's going to come then. It's going to come. But the point is, is Charles Oliveira, and one of the reasons we love him and the, one of the reasons he gets so many finishes is because he takes chances. Islam Makhchev, after getting KO'd in the UFC a hot second ago, takes no chances. He got knocked out seven years ago. Islam Makhchev takes zero chances, zero risk. He does whatever it takes to win the fight. Even if it's boring, he's going to win that fight. Now, if you give up some sort of thing, if you're not that versed on the ground, he's going to submit you. But he's not a Khabib style where he's going to break the fuck out of you and make it miserable where you want out and you're going to quit. He's, he's not there yet. The issue with that is if you're a Charles Oliveira fan, and this is why I struggle with picking who's going to win this fight, is because Makachev doesn't really give anybody openings to take advantage and finish the fight anymore. He's going to go in and do exactly what he needs to do to win the fight. All he cares about is being champ. Well, that's laying on Charles Oliveira for five rounds and for 25 minutes, he does not care. Just wants to be champ. That's tough, man. When a guy has that skill set and he knows he's dealing with a guy who's a complete savage and can put you out in any point of the fight, you're not going to see a lot of risks taken by Makachev. He's the safe route. He's the safe route. He's the safe bet. But there's something about Charles Oliveira that throws those Hail Marys at any given time. And I do think Mark Jeff's going to get him down. Guarantee he gets him down. Would bet my last fucking dollar he gets him down. But when you take Charles Oliveira down, you got to worry about a significant amount of other things that you don't with other guys. It, your neck, even if you think it's in the right place, it's not in the right place. In the transition, if you don't get him and control him, those transitions, he's getting to shit that you're not preparing for. He's getting to that neck. He's getting the darses and the arm triangles and shit you, you're, you haven't seen yet. He's the best in the world at it. So Islam knows this, you know, so it's just how much is Islam willing to go through to, to, you know, to make it entertaining. I don't think he gives a shit about entertaining you guys, which is why he's not 
uh, we all want since Khabib retired all this is his best friend though and Khabib says he's the next big thing I get that he's not Khabib Khabib's a special dude Khabib also was a beast on the mic Islam hates interviews Islam hates the bright lights the lights will never be brighter ever in his career than come Saturday night in Abu Dhabi those lights are bright as fuck when you're <clears> fighting <throat> for the light lightweight title of the world and you're facing Charles Oliveira who's one of the best to ever do it so for Islam, there's some pressure because your coach said you're the best of all time, and you sure as fuck don't have the resume to prove it. Khabib says you're the best of all time. Josh Thompson says you're the best of all time. This is MMA royalty at its highest, crowning you champ before you even champ. ton of pressure on him. The guy hasn't had this type of pressure. I know, and I won't say who it is, told me, the only thing Islam needs to work on is showing up when the lights are brightest. He's not used to that yet. We haven't seen his full potential because he hasn't fought in those big moment fights. So how's he going to fight against a guy in Charles Oliveira? Because if you if you're even take one one second, you take your eye off the price for one second, Charles Oliveira's going to get your neck or he's going to throw an elbow and that fight's over. Can Islam do that for 25 minutes? Vegas thinks he can. Khabib thinks he can. His coach thinks he can. Most of the media thinks he can. I don't think so. I don't think so. 25 minutes in there with Charles Oliveira, I feel pretty confident saying he's the most dangerous guy inside that octagon of all time. The bonuses prove that as well. We back that up. I think for 25 minutes, you're going to fight safe. It's going to be a tough night in the office for you. I think even if you get Charles Oliveira down, he's going to be so dangerous off his back, Islam's not going to want to be down there, and then they're going to be forced to be on their feet and that's where Charles Oliver excels and has more tools in his chamber to get this fight out of there. Now, if this fight is a decision, hands down, just walk away from the TV Islam one. This goes to the judges. Charles ain't beating him via decision. Charles can get taken down multiple, multiple fucking times. I guarantee fucking to you. Unless he gets starts in the first few minutes. I don't see that happening. But I just, I've, I've, Second guess Charles Oliveira for too long. Even though he's my dark horse, you remember this, Jen? For years, I've said Charles Oliveira is the dark horse. Mm -hmm. He's gonna be a champion. Like he can do it all if he has the right mindset. My only caveat with Charles Oliveira for the longest time, and boy, was I wrong. He proved me wrong. I said he has quit in him. Mm -hmm. Whenever I see a guy quit, there's no way to come back from that. He proved me wrong. I don't know what if you saw a mental coach, one of the just or just confidence from knocking these great fighters out. The the quit is not in there in him anymore. He would have quit against Michael Chandler. He would have quit against some of these other guys. That's gone. Now you just have this savage who has all the confidence in the world. And he's the most dangerous guy from the floor to the feet to ever compete in the outgun. The bonuses back that statement up. And you're locked in there for 25 minutes. It's tough for me to pick against Charles Oliveira. It's tough. I don't know how long he's going to be champ. Here's the thing. With Charles style and with Father Time coming, you know, maybe another year, it's going to be tough. Islam does have the style, even though this younger, and the, and the tide's turning. I, I started this whole rant before I started the pod, or I'm sorry, in the beginning of the pod, of how the tide's turning. The, the, these legends the, the, in the lightweight division, across the board in the UFC, these legends are slowly going out to pasture, and this new wave of fucking monsters is coming. And at lightweight, it is heavy. It is packed with names that are hard to pronounce. 
Gamrot is a fucking savage, dude. Gamrot on any given day could beat Charles Lover at Islam. He's a savage. Islam does have the style where he could hold on to the belt for quite some time if he plays it safe. You're not going to win any fans over, but he does have that style and the ability to hold on to the belt for two or three fights. But I don't, I sure as fuck don't see it with these younger guys coming up and the skill set they have, him holding it for like uh, a Kamar Usman style reign or a Izzy style reign or John Jones reign. That's not happening at, light, at lightweight. I guarantee it's not happening. These, this younger generation are fucking savages. He has a style to do that, but there's no way it's going to happen. So overall, my picks um, for UFC 280 will be Sean Brady. Muhammad, you know I fucking love you. Uh, Sean Brady, Philly's finest. It's tough to pick against him the Eagles right now. So I'm just going based off the Eagles doing their damn thing, and Sean Brady's such a savage. He's been my underdog dark horse in the welterweight division. He's going to be fight for a title next year. I guarantee you. I take Sean Brady via submission. I will take, uh, I hate to do this, Darius. I'll take Gamrot. I'll take Gamrot via decision. I'll take Sugar Sean O'Malley. I'll take TJ Dillashaw and Charles Oliveira. Charles Oliveira by finish. I don't know what round. I have no idea when he pulls it off. I think he's going to be down on the scorecards and he's going to pull it off. Uh, he's going to have to walk through some fucking tough, tough fire to pull this off. But 25 minutes, most dangerous guy to ever do it. Knees, elbows, submissions, punches, kicks. I'll take my chance with Charles Oliveira. I think Charles Oliveira gets it done via decision. That'd be my bet if I was going to parlay it. Charles wins via, you know, finish. Um, if it goes to judges, it's Islam by landslide. Uh, like I said, Charles decision. I'm sorry, Charles finish uh, under five rounds. TJ Dillashaw. I'll probably say via finish five rounds. I think TJ finished Aljamain. Um, Sugar Sean. Best bet would be decision. I could see him get a finish with a knee or something because he does have the reach. And Pirion, I think, is going to incorporate wrestling. wrestling, And then Gamrat via decision. Sean Brady via submission. Those are my picks for UFC 280. That was fucking tough to pick. <laughs> tough card. Great card. Such a good card. Like I told you guys earlier, we're doing a... I want to call it Calabasas Fight Command, but it's nowhere near Calabasas. We should call it the Mormon Companion. It's uh, the Salt Lake City Fight Companion, and that will be with me and Frank Mayer plus some other guests. That is live, 11 a.m. Mountain Time. That will be 12 uh, Pacific Time, live on Thick Boy YouTube. Come watch this amazing card with me. It's going to be a grand old time. Me and Frank are some chatty Cathy's. 11 pacific right 11 pacific oh yeah my bad 11 a.m pacific time that would be 12 mountain time okay which is mormon time <laughs> enjoy the fights man i'm in this side for a fight top to bottom in a hot fucking second Stacked. i could have done a four-hour podcast breaking down the prelims i'm told not to do that anymore there's some phenomenal fights and so many names we can't pronounce on here and boy does uh bruce buffer have his work cut out for him you read some of those names like jesus christ bruce good luck buddy enjoy that magomed mustafa versus Yam yamato nishikawa not bad mm -hmm. not bad not bad at all that cry live ozdemir take my fucking money mahmoud and uh <laughs> baralo fantastic fight it's just it's, there's so many good fights on here so many good fights.
Let's do some current events, Jen. We also have that one on Amazon Prime Video 3, Lineker. Fight Remember? World is popping. Badass John Lineker, knockout artist. Yes. You got a great uh, fight, and that's on Friday, I believe? That's Saturday. Is it Saturday? Yeah, uh, so. Friday in Singapore. Here right? it says. Or it's actually in. Two different ones. So you have Friday. Well, uh, it, yeah, it's Friday, I think. Well, 8 p.m. On, on the 21st is Friday, 8 p.m. EDT. And October, October 22nd, which is Saturday, 8 a.m. SGT. So, yeah, so that may, if it's 8 a.m. SGT, that means it's prime Singapore. time for us if it's on uh, Amazon mm. Prime. Prime time for us being in, in North America right gotcha uh it's a great card though you got john lineker who's just doing work defending his belt against fabricio andrage andrage is a uh he's also a knockout artist so we'll see we'll see if he can deliver man but his stars are a booming i'm most excited for the guy who just won adcc he just won the submission grappling world title and uh it's again one championship Setting the standard, man. You have a straight-up submission grappling world title on a big-ass event on Amazon Prime. You got your boy Cade, and he's competing for the second time ever on one championship for the world title. And you would know him because he just destroyed the Abu Dhabi Combat Championships ADCC. So get, go get you some. And they also got the 20-year-old. Uh, this this She's such a badass. Uh, California, you guys would know her. Uh, uh, Leah Bivens, she won the, uh, she's been in the headlines here because she won the Colorado State uh, Wrestling. California State. Yeah, California State Wrestling Championship. Um, one championships banking on this youngster at 20 to be the next American star. So there's a lot of fun storylines there. You got that jiu-jitsu phenom in Cade coming off his championship on ADCC. You also got John Lineker who went over to one championship Left the UFC and is just on fire. It's got a title there. Savage. Yeah. And that's uh, one championship's third card on Amazon Prime. And uh, go get you some, man. It's going to be a fun one. Stack this week, man. Oh, yeah. You got that? And UFC 280? Take mm -hmm. all my money. <laughs> Thanks, Amazon. Thanks, one championship. So over the weekend, Deontay Wilder KO'd his opponent. Um, his, his name is Hellenius. And I guess they were sparring partners before. I don't know if you saw his post-fight press conference, but I it saw was... I saw uh, just a picture of him like crying. But th what's weird mm -hmm. is uh, it was like a it wasn't like a huge shot. I thought it was a left, but then if you, when I slow it's it down, right. it's the a left, right. Like yeah, 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 almost like this. Then it's just like a yep. But it, the a certain angle looks pretty flush. Yeah, yeah. but this one's it was kind of hard to tell. You'll see. This, this is the first round, too, right? Boom! I mean, out cold. Yeah. Out, out. Out cold. And then Deontay, during the press conference, um, he was... Well, let me just play this clip for you, because I think it's pretty okay. powerful. Um, but, you know, my heart goes out to him, and I hope he's doing okay. He can be able to go back to his family, because... This is a tough business that we're in. The toughest. This is why I tell people, you got to respect all fighters. You know, people always go about worrying about records and, and all this. He lost or he's a bum and all that. Well, you get your bum ass in there then. Uh -huh. <laughs> and let's see who's the bum, really. Because you don't play this. You can't play this. 
So we, we demand respect at all times. Every fighter that step in the ring, I don't care what the record is, I don't care who they are or where they come from, it demands respect because if not, then you see things like that happen. And then all we were, oh, that's a good knock. Yeah, it's a great knockout. It's devastating, making history and stuff like that. But how much that man going to suffer? He may be all right right now, a little bit. But what about the next day? What about five years? two weeks from now? What about a month from now? Maybe years from now? And we seeing what happened. Look at, look at, look at Cologne. Talking Look how about he Richard got Cologne. hit, Richard Cologne. That's Richard Cologne. Yep. You're correct. This man ain't have no kids. <laughs> man, they don't understand, man. Y'all don't fucking understand what we go through, man. And I don't even know him like that. But I always be an advocate for us because. Ah, this man would never know what it feel like to be somebody's father. And that's some of the precious thing in the world to be somebody's father. Mm. But he'll never be nobody's father, man. This man will never have a natural childhood ability of, 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 of living again because he got in the ring to support his family. But now his family got to take care of him for the rest of his life. He might, he probably would have been, he probably would have the breadwinner of his family. And now they looking, seeking for help and shit like that. I can say so much about it. Which is buddy to get off of him, but which is buddy back up a little bit. So I looked into that Pritchard uh, Cologne guy. He's like, he was undefeated killer. And then his last fight, he got brain damage. And he's, he's in a vegetative state he's right one now. One of the most exciting prospects in boxing, the Puerto Rican uh, Pritchard Cologne lost for the first time in his professional career. However, the blows he received in the fight because of damn brain damage left him in a vegetative yeah. state. Jesus Christ. Like, this was his record. Just that one fight. Wow. Yeah. So that's what yeah, Deontay was referencing. No, I mean, Deontay's 100% right. Deontay's like such a good person. Too. He's such <laughs> a good him, guy. Man. Yeah, such a, such a good guy. Yeah. Such a sweet guy. Now, for him to kind of bring this back full circle and not make it so sad uh for Deontay Wilder he needed this win so now you're talking about like a Ruiz fight which would be fun um I know he's calling for Anthony Joshua which obviously Joshua Fury's not fighting which is beyond me why that's not fucking happening so Wilder Joshua would be a great fucking fight and then also there's talk to Wilder Francis and Gatto Mm. And I think for Francis, I was talking with his agent yesterday, Martel, who I, who I absolutely adore. Martel, I was like, man, Francis Deontay, now he's going to be an underdog, whether it's Fury or Deontay Wilder, but he'd be less of an underdog against Wilder. Fury has too much skill to just get clipped by that right hand early on. It'd be a very tough fight for Francis. Now, Francis lands, you know, who knows what would happen. But with Wilder, Wilder, you know, he'll, he'll play that game a little bit. Wilder has a big right hand. France has a big right hand. Sign me up. Yeah. It's a much better, Exciting. still a, probably, probably a plus 500 underdog at least. Fury's probably a plus 2,000, you know. I like the Deontay Wilder fight for him. Deontay Wilder was like, if the money makes sense, the fight makes sense. I was like, all right, let's do it, my man. That'd be fun. It's all going to be predicated on the UFC coming to agreements with Francis because – Francis, I think, wants to box, like do a wilder fight and then fight John. 
And the UFC is saying, no, 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 we're going to resign you, fight John, and then maybe we'll be open to mm. boxing. Francis going, no, 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 I want to box and then fight. So that's the holdup. We'll, we'll see. see what happens, yeah. And that's, by the way, um, it's official. Well, not official, official, but I think Ariel Hawani posted after you mentioned it that the whole John Jones thing with Nganu, potentially December 10th or Stipe. Ariel it's posted Stipe. it like four days after you yeah, mentioned yeah. it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I'm sure I said the news and then yep, you those broke guys it. do what journalists do and call and cover their bases. I don't. <laughs> I get from the horse's mouth and then I don't double check with anybody. And sometimes it hits. Yep. All right, so UFC... Obviously, Mark Zuckerberg has been around the UFC for a little while now, but they've officially partnered up with them for something called Meta Live and on-demand events where they're doing virtual reality things for Fight Pass. And they did it for the first time at LFA that just happened. And this is what it looks like. This is basically you walking through the arena. Gloves, do so now. Go to your corners and come back ready. Right really huge co-mavy weight action. <laughs> Didn't even have to now the way metaverse off. works, that's a real fight, but it's they just take fight. you there. Yeah, yeah. interesting. So, there was a bunch of cameras. That's pretty just badass. Especially it was like that a big, cool. big fight. It's pretty mm -hmm. cool. We knew something was going to come between those two. Of course, yeah. And some quick fight, uh, quick bout announcements: Alexander Gustin and Ovin Saint Preux. They'll be fighting UFC 282. That's that light heavyweight. Uh, light yeah, heavyweight. has to be. Let me double check. I think it's light heavyweight though. Because they both dabbled in heavyweight. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Light heavyweight. Cool. That's a good fight. Um, and also, Jan Blokovic versus oof. Magomed Ankalaev. Oof, 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 oof. Damn, December 10th is yeah. tasty. Uh, Magomed, oh, man, that's a tough fight for Jan. Yep. Yeah, Fuck, that that's a great fight. That's coming, dude. Your boy, Taito Ivasa versus Sergei Pavlovich. That's a fight night in Orlando, December 3rd. And this is... Pavlovich's record yeah, right Pavlovich now. coming off that one over uh, the Black Derek Beast. Lewis, yeah. And then Ty just lost to Searle. Yeah. Uh, let's see. Yuri Prohashka and Glover Kitexier 2. That's official now for 282 as well. What's interesting about that is I know they're waiting to see if Yuri's going to be the main event. If John said no, they're going to make Yuri the main event. Mm. If John was going to push it towards you know January, February and wait for Francis, um, then Yuri would be the main event. But it still sounds like John's on December 10th against Stipe. Damn, that's going to be sick. Yeah, main event, co-main event. Uh, this is another, uh, it's not official, but Ryan Garcia and Gervonta Davis has been going, going back and forth on social media, and it looks like they might have a fight in December. And this is the, the last thing, they, I think this is the last thing he posted. They both said done, done and deal, it was yeah. done deal. Man, it's a tough fight for Ryan Garcia. I know. And Ryan's calling for it, though. I know. Yeah. Maybe they see something. Ryan's a little beast, dude. Mm-hmm. That's a um, tough fight. Yeah. I love that fight, though. Oh, that's going to be so exciting. Fuck, yeah. yeah. Great fight. And just a quick one on Aspen Lad. She's going to be fighting um, Julia Budd. That's a solid PFL. fight. Yep. I'd prefer to get a straight title shot, but whatever. <laughs> uh, this was, we already talked about this a little bit, but the whole slap fighting thing. Apparently, Dana White and Lorenzo Fertitta are teaming up again to have that slap, slap fighting thing happen in Nevada. And it's like in real talks now with the commission and everything. And it, uh, slapping, that's just when they just stand there and slap each yeah. other, right? And then they're, you're, I'm, I'm sure you met Craig Pelagian. He's the guy that created Tough with them. Oh, yeah. He's like that Craig. producer yeah. guy. Yeah, he's the one who gave him my shot. Yeah. Yeah. For, so they're teaming spike. up with him again, too. So they might be doing like a reality show. Who knows? Slapping, that's weird. <laughs> um, this was weird. Hasbula 
you guys all know Hasbula. Yeah, the little he girl. posted he posted that he was officially signed to the UFC to fight. Right? Which obviously no one's gonna really believe, but they're see this right here? And then he also is gonna have his fight kit out for people to purchase. I think the fight kit might actually do well. I was gonna say uh, I'd never buy a fight kit, but I'd buy that one. Yeah, it's hilarious. Funny, yeah. yeah, he's never gonna fight. Um Yeah, I you know. The UFC marketing team, you know, with Hasbula, you know, obviously with his massive following, his connection Khabib, and then you know the the Nelk boys, stuff like that. They're just doing to anything to get this younger generation. Yeah, I mean, if it works, it's it works. Too. Yeah. yeah, I get it. I get it. No hate there. Oscar De La Hoya is picking Jake Paul to KO Anderson Silva. Interesting. Mm -hmm. You say why? That's a good fight. Oscar says. I'm going to go with Jake Paul. Yeah, I'm going to go with Jake Paul just because he seems like he's getting to the rhythm of things. He doesn't have too many fights. He loves boxing, hard worker, a lot of power. If he connects with Sylvie, he's going to knock him out. If he touches Sylvie, he's, he's going down. Everybody's going based on what did to Julio Cesar Chavez Jr. and Tito Ortiz. Come on. I mean, Chavez Jr. wasn't even 20% himself. Okay, condition-wise, physically, just wasn't him. All right. Yeah. So he believes Jake Paul will likely get the KO. And so the pay-per-view prices for that fight came in. Can you guess how much it is? Jake doesn't want to ostracize his fan base. I'll say $49.99. Close enough, $59.99. Yeah, Jake's yeah. smart with that. And, okay, this is just, <laughs> I'll just play this for you. This is Bryce Mitchell talking about jiu-jitsu or jiu-jitsu practitioners in MMA. So usually I get on here and I complain about the government, but today I'm going to complain about something even better, something that I know that I know what I'm talking about. I'm going to complain about jujitsu. And yeah, I love jujitsu. I use it every time I'm in a fight. Okay, but the problem with the sport of jujitsu today is all y'all fight like a bunch of sissies. All, all y'all want to do is pull guard and go for leg locks. And and I get it. That's great. You get your little gold medal. You get well, That's cool. You get your gold medal. You get to stand on the podium. Woo! Yeah, but when you get in a fight at Walmart and you go for a leg lock, you get stomped in the face and you get your teeth knocked out, okay? You get kicked right in the nuts. Your nuts are wide open, okay? You, you, or the, the bad dude gets away, runs away, okay? So get up off your ass and fight. And I think the best jujitsu guy I've ever seen, well, Andrew Wiltsey's a good one because he, he knows how to take people down. Andrew Wiltsey, um, Nicky Rod, these are guys that fight like men, okay? They get up, they get a hold of you, they throw you to the ground, and then proceed to do their jujitsu. All you other punks out there that, that are fought, starting a match on your butt and scooting at the guy, y'all are sissies, and, and every one of y'all, you need to stop fighting like chickens, okay? Bunch of chickens out there. Bunch of chicken shit. Get up off your ass Hot and take, fight like a man. Hot nasty. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I don't like to start anybody either. What's that? I don't like starting the how jujitsu. Yeah, a lot of them start on their butt. The the problem is too. You know, I don't know how many people are gonna get in fights at Walmart. And Walmart can be like little, an actual street street. Walmart can be a little dicey. Mm -hmm. But also, I'll tell you right now, if it's the average Joe versus those guys that do those leg locks, trust me, that guy's not stomping anybody in the head. Mm. They're gonna rip his fucking Achilles heel off. Yeah, it's gonna be a nightmare. Um, you, I think he talked about this outside, but so Tito Ortiz is saying that him and Chael Sonnen have a fight. Yep. 2023? Yep. February mm -hmm. 2023. I'll have more news for that uh, for you guys. I'm sure Frank will allude to it when we do the fight campaign. Sweet. Break some news for you guys. I know the rest of the lineup as well. <laughs> and let's just end on this then. 
Just a Mackenzie Dern appreciation thing. That's her? Do you see what I see? Good things coming soon. That's after her fight. Yeah. And she also looks very pretty. She's so pretty. Yeah. yeah. Yep. That's a good way to mm-hmm. end it, Jen. Cool. She's ending it with on a, on a positive note. A dying <laughs> piece. <clears throat> well, kids, a lot going on this weekend. I will be in Salt Lake City, Utah this Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Salt Lake City, then Saturday, live on Thick Boy at 12 uh uh, mountain, mountain time that'd be 11 a.m pacific time live on thick boy youtube we have a salt lake city fight companion for you guys with myself and frank man some special guest um as far as tour dates uh salt lake city this thursday through saturday at wise guys one of my favorite clubs next week thursday calgary almost sold out calgary rooftop we added a second show on friday at the rooftop that's thursday friday next week in calgary canada the thick boys will be up in canada doing the damn thing and then that Saturday, we have another Calabasas, an actual Calabasas fight campaign from my home turf, home studio for the uh, Jake Paul um, Anderson Silva fight. Um, so make sure you tune into that. And then November gets pretty Texas heavy. You got San Antonio at the LOL, one of my favorite clubs in San Antonio, November 3rd through the 5th. Houston, Texas, Houston Improv, November 10th through, to, 10th through the 12th. Houston Improv. Uh, Milwaukee, November 18th through the 19th. That's just Friday, Saturday, Milwaukee, because I can't leave Thursday. So uh, Milwaukee, November 18th, 19th, Houston, San Antonio, November, Salt Lake City this week, Calgary, Canada next week, Thursday, Friday. Get your tickets at thickboy.com. That's it, kids. I will see you guys Saturday uh, live on the Thick Boy YouTube for the Salt Lake City Fight Companion with Frank Mayer for UFC 280. Enjoy the fights this weekend. I will see you Monday. Be nice to each other. Stay safe. Love you guys. See ya. Challenges will come, but you better believe that man's going to be ready for them. Oh, body kick! Body kick! Fabrician trash is a problem in the bantamweight division. I am the uncrowned king, and everybody knows it. John Lineker touches you, he hurts you. Coming for you, John Chica Linek. Don't hide. Fabricio, você é o próximo. If you're into thick boys, <laughs> like, subscribe, comment, and God bless America. Well, that's not my big one. Just kidding.